this book, the letter to the Ephesians, is one of the greatest letters ever written. The greatest letters ever written. It elevates God. It elevates the gospel. And it elevates doctrine. It elevates the church. The reason why so many people in the modern church struggle with this book is that they have a small view of God, a light view of the gospel and doctrine, and an an inadequate view of the church. So we need this book. John Stott says, no one can read this without being led to wonder and worship. That's our prayer, wonder and worship. The book of Ephesians was Calvin's favorite book. Luther said that while Romans is the purest explanation of the gospel, Ephesians is the most sublime explanation of the gospel. And so, we need this book. There's always a danger for us in the church, especially a church like ourselves that wants to study um, the Bible, is, is to just study what's easy and straightforward. And therefore, there's always a danger for us to suffer from spiritual malnutrition. In other words, we just don't have enough healthy spiritual calories, and we have too many unhealthy spiritual calories. And we end up malnourished. We need to take advantage of this great storehouse of spiritual nourishment there is in this book, and all the resources available to us in this letter. And if we reverently absorb this letter, it will change us, and it will change our church. It'll change us, and it'll change our church. So this book is a book of encouragement. And yes, there are times there are going to be difficult issues to understand. Even tonight, it's not going to be always straightforward. But we must work hard at it. And if we work hard at it and receive it in faith, we'll be really excited and really encouraged. So tonight we're really going to look at um, from verse 3 to verse 6 after John opened up uh, with a summary last week. Uh, Really two main headings, I suppose. The first one is this, blessing to the Father at the beginning of verse 3. It says in the NIV, praise. Uh, You may have the ESV. It says, blessed be. It's the same word, the same idea. Blessed, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 3 to verse 14, there are 202 words with no pause, the longest sentence in the New Testament. No punctuation, no breaks. Uh, Paul just keeps going and doesn't stop for air. It's a rhapsody of praise. It's a a song of salvation. It's a great passage. And we're going to spend a number of weeks going through it bit by bit. But what we see here in verse 3, the first half of it, we bless him. And in the second half, because he blesses us. We bless him because he blesses us. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. But what does it mean to praise or to bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the Greek word is the word eulogos, eulogos, where we get the word eulogy from. If you know anything about the word eulogy, then you'll get an idea of what blessed or praised means. EU means good, logos means word, a good word or good speech. 
when we say uh, declare an, an eulogy, like I did this afternoon at the funeral here, we're, we're making a good speech or a good word about someone. When we bless the Lord, when we praise the Lord, we eulogize the Lord. We speak well of him. We declare his name. We say good things about him. That's what we should do. Psalm 103 verse 1. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. So we gather to do this in our worship, in our singing, in our praying, in our study. What we're doing is we are eulogizing the Lord. And then we scatter from here to do it in the world. So we gather to eulogize the Lord. We scatter to eulogize the Lord. We speak well of him in here, and we speak well of him out there. We speak well to him, as we're doing right now, and we speak well of him when we're out there in the world. Not because of de- he's dead, of course, he's not, but because he's good. He's a good God, and that's why we praise him, bless him, eulogize him. And we bless him in a multitude of ways. Now, just think about this. When we love him more than our sin, we, we speak well of him. When we trust him in all life's difficult situations, when we're satisfied in him, when we serve him and seek his glory, when we even give thanks for the meal that we're about to sit down and eat, we're speaking well of him. We're saying, thank you. Because it's not Tesco's who's provided this food. It's God. We bless him when we are in him. In him. In Christ. We speak well of him. We speak well of him here. As we gather, we speak well of him out there in the world when we scatter. Notice how Paul describes God here. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, of course... He would be described as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why that? Because God chose them and called them and blessed them and used them to bless his people. But here in Ephesians 1 and throughout the rest of the New Testament, it's the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because God will fulfill all his purposes and all his plans through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we bless our great God. We eulogize the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. We speak well of him. We give him glory. And we give him honor. Praise the Lord, O my soul, O my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Blessing to the Father. But of course, most of the passage actually is dealing with um, blessing from the Father. We see that from 3b right through the rest to the end of verse 6. So the reason we bless and praise him, the reason why we eulogize the Lord, is because he first blesses us. Praise be to the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Let me tell you what we're going to be doing here for the next, well, 20 minutes or so. In verse 3, 
the end of verse 3, the second half of verse 3, that speaks of the general ways he blesses us. In verses 4 to 14, he speaks of the specific ways he blesses us. But of course, we're only looking at um, the first section up to verse 6. We're going to be concentrating on 3b through to 6. But what I want to do is look at this verse, the end of verse 3, and do it in reverse order if you don't mind. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What we see here is the source in Christ. You see, when we are saved, we're given a host of spiritual blessings. I wonder, do you know that? And all of them come from Christ. And all of them are given in Christ. Not in religion, not in morality, not in vague belief, not in your family name or the tradition you were brought up in. All from Christ, all in Christ. You can't get these spiritual blessings from any other source. Only Him. Only Him. That's why it's essential we be in Christ, saved in Christ. The source is in Christ. The scope is every spiritual blessing. We lack nothing when we are in Christ. We have all that we should desire in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. In Christ, you miss out on nothing. In Christ, you can't lose. In Christ, you have enough. But of course, we're so infected by the world that often we feel disappointed with our lot in life, don't we? We're discontented, we're dissatisfied, and we end up very often suffering from self-pity, don't we? Why has this happened to me? Or why has this not happened to me? Why, 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 God? Why don't I have more? Why am I better looking? Why am I smarter? Why don't I have a better job? Why don't I have a nicer family? Why, 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 why? Every spiritual blessing is given to us in Christ. And in Christ we miss nothing. Now the word every means complete, entire. In him you cannot lose. Our need is not to receive more. Our need is to do something more with what we've been given. Everything. We've got it all in Christ. That's the scope. Every, every spiritual blessing. And the location? Well, in the heavenly realms. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Our blessings, in a sense, are divine. Paul is talking more about um, reality than just heaven, although he is talking about that. Heavenly realms is a term that he'll use quite often in the book, chapter 1, verse 20, chapter 2, verse 6, chapter 3, verse 10, and, and on other occasions, and encompasses a kind of entire supernatural realm of God, the entire supernatural realm of God, which is huge, his complete, complete domain, the full extent of his divine operation. That's where we receive all these blessings from. So the source is Christ. The, the scope is every spiritual blessing, the location in the heavenly realms. These things provide, you see, 
You're my, our identity and security. Our identity and security. My identity, the thing that most defines me is that I am in Christ. And that he's given me every spiritual blessing. That's what identifies me. You know, is that what I think of when I think of who I am? Because normally, I, listen, let's think of five things I could say about myself. I'm a husband, right? I'm a father. I'm an elder. After that, it becomes a wee bit ridiculous. I'm a Spurs fan. I love ice cream. Each of those are meaningless, really. Sorry, family. Um, because one day, you know, I'll, I'll no longer be a husband and a father. Either I'll be dead, or they'll be dead. Someday I'll, 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 I'll stop being an elder. Someday I'll, I'll have sense and maybe support another team. And someday the doctor will say to me, stop eating ice cream. But there's one thing that will never end. Alistair McNeely being in Christ. And that's what you need to remember and to enjoy. These things are just temporary. These other things are just temporary. I belong to Jesus, and that's eternal. And then that brings security, because I am safe because I am in him. You are safe tonight. Saved and safe because you're in Christ. These are the general blessings. Enough reason to eulogize God. Wouldn't you agree? To bless his name, to sing his praise, to speak well of him. Enough reason for us to do that in here. We could nearly stop the sermon and go home or go out into the world and declare this message everywhere we go and to everybody we meet. But as the man says, there is more. Much, much more. And in verses 4 to 14, we have the specific blessings of God. Things that we ought to praise him for. For instance, what we're going to look at in a few moments, same. election, verses 4 to 6. Redemption by the blood of Christ, verse 7. That's next week. Sealing by the Holy Spirit, verse 13. The week after. The glorious inheritance guaranteed for his people, verse 14. But the one that Paul begins with, the one that we want to look at tonight, is that God chooses his people. God chooses his people. Let this first three words or four words of verse four, let it all sink into your heart and into your mind. For he chose us. He chose us. In Christ, the special one, we are special. In Christ, the original chosen one, we are chosen. John Stott rightly points out that this doctrine is not really an Augustinian doctrine. It's not really a Calvinistic doctrine. It's not really a Presbyterian doctrine. It's a biblical doctrine. And this subject has been horribly abused in debate over the centuries. I, I think of the number of times I've got into arguments about this, and it's been wrong, wrong, wrong on so many fronts. This doctrine should not be debated. 
This doctrine should be believed and enjoyed. Why? So that we might bless his name. That's why. You see, if you believe this doctrine, understand this doctrine as best you can, enjoy this doctrine as best you can, then you will not be able to contain yourself. You'll just want to praise and bless his great name. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every special blessing in Christ, for he chose us in him. What a God. What a gospel. What a Savior. Four wee things to say about um, these verses before we finish tonight. His choice, first of all, verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. God chose us before we were born. Isn't that amazing? But even more amazing is that... uh, He chose us before time began. He he chose us before space was created. That means we're very special. It also means, of course, that his choice was not based on our performance. His choice was based only on his choice. His intentional, predetermined, purposeful choice have you ever been chosen for um, a, some kind of role? A sports team, for instance? I, I still remember standing at, at, against the fence at Brady Primary School, uh, uh, you know, just begging for somebody to pick me for their football team. You know, when I used to stand there, please, 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 pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. I don't want to be last. Invariably, often I was. Have you ever been picked, chosen for a sports team? Have you been chosen for marriage? Has somebody said to you, will you marry me? And, or you said, I will marry you. Have you been chosen for marriage or for some other kind of relationship? Have you been chosen for a job anytime in your life? Why? Because of your performance, yeah? Because of your gifting, because of your ability. In some cases, because of your looks or your character. And you're wondering, why did Pauline ever say yes to me. That's what you're thinking, aren't you? All of life is is based on such choices, aren't they? Everything is about people choosing people, people choosing things, except one, except one relationship, our relationship with God. Before we were born, before the world was created, before time began, God chose us. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Do you know what that means? That means you will never be dropped from his team. That means you will never be divorced from his marriage. You will never be rejected from his family. You will never be sacked from his job. If you want to use the illustrations that I used a few moments ago. He chose you. And it's got nothing to do with your performance. It's nothing to do with your ability to believe. Now, I know some folk, maybe they're well-meaning and they're, uh, uh, behind their, their thinking, but they like to soften this doctrine down and says, you know, God can look forward and he can see those who will believe. Uh, he, he can see those who will have faith. But there's a major, major problem with that, isn't there? 
If God looked down through the centuries to see who would believe in him, if God looked down through the centuries to see who deserved to be saved, if God looked down through the centuries to see who would choose God, guess how many people would be saved? How many people would be saved? A big, fat zero. Not one of us. Not one of us would believe. Not one of us would choose God. Not one of us would deserve to be saved. Because everyone's a sinner and everyone's condemned and therefore the saved are chosen. For he chose us in him. If that doesn't get your juices going, if that doesn't drive you to praise, there's something wrong. Maybe you're not chosen. So you're not really saved. His choice, his purpose, to be holy and blameless in his sight. Verse 4 still. Yes, we're chosen for a purpose, not to live whatever way we like, not to, uh, to be free to think or say or do whatever we feel like. We're chosen to be holy and blameless, to be set apart for a holy purpose. Now, that term holy and blameless gives us that Old Testament idea of an unblemished sacrifice. We're called out of the world to be his, to be clean, to be holy. Not chosen simply to be forgiven, not chosen simply to go to heaven, not chosen simply to witness, but we're chosen primarily to be holy and blameless. And it's hard to be holy in an unholy world, isn't it? And it's hard to be blameless in a fallen world. But that's his great purpose. And his motive in all of this. In love, as we move into verse 5, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. See, election is amazing. Why? Why me? Why me before the creation of the world? Why me for every spiritual blessing in Christ? Why me to be holy and blameless? Why? Why? I'll tell you why. Love. (laughs) In love. Another reason to bless his name, isn't it? This alone explains all the planning, all the choosing, all the waiting. Agape love for sinners and enemies. This love seeks to benefit the welfare and needs of others. That's what God has done for his people. And how did God show that love? Sending Jesus to the cross. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. No other motive but love. And this particular character is shaped by love. Isn't that right? God. And with love in mind, he has declared that he wants to have um, a family. Sometime before time and space, God decided, do you know what? I want to have a family. I want to have children. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons 
through Jesus Christ. And by the way, don't get head up about um, sonship there. It's not sexism. It's not a sexist comment because it means we all, whether male or female, will receive the inheritance rights of God's children. And that's why the term is always used in the, in the masculine. Do you realize before space was created, before time began, God said, I want a family and I want you and you and you and you and you. We should speak well of God, shouldn't we? In here, as we gather and as we scatter to eulogize, to bless and praise him. Why? Because he's chosen us. Because he's chosen us before time began. He's chosen us to be holy and blameless. He's chosen us because of his love. And he's chosen us to be his children. Praise his name. One last thing. His pleasure and his will. His choice, his purposes, his motive, his pleasure and his will. In accordance with his pleasure and will. The end of verse 5 there. He chooses us happily. This is his will. This is his pleasure. He delights to do this. Here's the significance of this, I think. We cannot be happy without him. And I think what God is saying here is that he's decided that he will not be happy without us. We cannot be happy without him. He will not be happy without us. Our happiness and his happiness are inextricably linked in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now, some who question unconditional election do so because they're concerned about man's free will. I'm sure you've heard that. You know, what about our free will, they say. But do you know what Paul is more concerned about? God's free will. God's free will. In accordance with his pleasure and will. This is not my free will. It's his free will, his pleasure, and his will. And his will is perfect and good and wise and beautiful. I want a family, he says, and I'm going to choose them. Who are we to argue with God? It's not fair, God, what you're doing. I know these are hard things. John talked about the hard things this morning. And very often, you know, the gospel is hard. If we do not understand everything about this subject, just be thankful that God knows best. And if we do not understand, just be thankful that God has chosen you. And what do we do when we understand all of this? That we're chosen to be holy and blameless, in love, to be his family, because of his pleasure and will. What do we do? Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. Worship is the response, the appropriate, proper response. It's not arrogance. It's not complaining. It's not complacency. It's not rejection. It's not editing. It's not ignoring this great doctrine. It's worship. 
to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. We are to glory in God's grace and to bless the name of Jesus because of what he's done. In many ways, we've got the two bookends of praise. Verse 3, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which is freely given to us in the one he loves. Thankful praise. Eulogizing his great name. Speaking well of the Lord. We gather to do that in song and prayer and study. We scatter to do that in a world that's fallen and broken, needs the gospel. Will we do that? Will we bless his name here and out there? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray.